The following podcast was originally recorded for Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake, a Zcast production. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Marcy Huff. Several years ago, she was a young mom in her 40s. Marcy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer is a sneaky disease. It's difficult to detect, tough to treat, and many women don't know the symptoms. Fortunately, Marcy is one of the lucky ones. I'm happy to say that 14 years later, Marcy is still cancer-free. Marcy, welcome to the show. Hi, Pam. Thank you. Thank you for being on with us. As you know, a couple of years ago, I lost a dear college friend to ovarian cancer. Because I didn't know much about this disease, I figured that there were probably a lot of other women out there that didn't know much about it either. So I went on a mission to find someone to interview for my blog, someone that could help educate me and other women about this sneaky cancer. And I found you. So Marcy, I'd like to time travel a bit. Why don't you tell the listeners how you discovered that you had ovarian cancer? Okay. I would love to because not enough women know about ovarian cancer. And I would be the first to admit that because I didn't know much about ovarian cancer. But going back, I was diagnosed in 2008. And yes, you're right, Pam, 14 years in remission. And I was a later stage ovarian cancer diagnosis. So I'm very, very fortunate. But I basically thought the things I was feeling were all just life's things that you feel, especially as a woman. It never occurred to me that ovarian cancer would be something that would be told to me and my husband and at the time, a four-year-old daughter. And what were you feeling? What were the things that you were feeling? You know, essentially, I felt that I was bloated. And I don't know about you, but I always feel like I'm a little bit bloated. But in particular, (laughs) it, it felt like I was kind of bloated. I had been eating Kashi cereal. I remember it to this day, trying to get all my fiber that you're supposed to do. And I guess this Kashi cereal, I thought it was going to change my life, you know? (laughs) So the bloating, I thought, well, the bloating's because I'm eating this darn Kashi cereal and it's too much fiber. So that's why I'm bloated. I was having a little bit of lower back pain. Well, I had a four-year-old daughter and I was still picking her up and lugging her different places when I had to, and she was running off and all that stuff. So, you know, you're still picking up a four-year-old from time to time. My abdominal area was tender and sore at times while I was doing Pilates for the first time. So I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I'm on a reformer and I'm getting all this great abdominal strength and it hurts a little bit. And then the other thing I always think about is I had to go to the bathroom a lot, felt like I had to urinate frequently. Well, I don't know about you, but ever since I'd had a child, that was kind of part of the deal. And then I had lost a little bit of weight and I was like, wow, this is great. (laughs) I'm getting skinny. So, you know, I can laugh about it now. Obviously this is not, we're not trying to make ovarian cancer a laughable topic. It's a very serious topic, but 
I like to share my story in a way to make it very real. And those were the kind of things I was thinking that were going on. And those were the things I was explaining it to be. The kinds of symptoms that it's very easy to brush aside and pass off as something else. And this is a big problem with the disease. You know, they call it sneaky or it whispers. That said a lot, ovarian cancer whispers, and you have to really listen for those whispers. And it was whispering for me. I mean, those are classic signs of ovarian cancer. And had I known that, I would have gone in to see my OBGYN earlier than I did to tell you a little bit more of the details of my story. So I was watching TV with my four-year-old at the time. We were watching some cartoon and she accidentally kicked me kind of in the abdomen. And just for a split second, it literally took my breath away. I mean, it hurt that bad, just for a split second. And I remember I went out into the family room and said to my husband, you know, what had happened. And he said, well, just go ahead and call your OBGYN and schedule a scan, just schedule a scan or just schedule an appointment with them. And so I looked at my date book. And at that point in time, I was due to see him in a week for my annual exam, which I never missed. I always had my annual exam. And so I thought, I'll just wait till then. And when I got in there, it was a nurse practitioner who was examining me that day. And she did the pap smear, which, you know, I know, Pam, you wanted to talk a little bit about the pap smear. We can get to that. But she also did what they call a pelvic exam. All us women have had these things. And her comment was, your uterus feels a little thick. Now, is a pelvic exam standard operating procedure for an OBGYN appointment? It is. I remember having yes. those. Yes. Time From what I understand, yes. And, a great, and I always tell people, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. But in my knowledge, yes, they do a pelvic exam. They do a physical pelvic exam with their hands. And that's when she said, it feels a little thick. And I had never had my uterus described as thick before. So of course I said, oh, well, what does that mean? And she said, oh, it's probably nothing. She said, it could be fibroids. It could be cyst. And that made me think about those things I spoke to you about earlier. And I did start talking about some of those different signs, things I'd been feeling. I didn't even think of them as signs or symptoms. I just said, you know, I have been feeling kind of bloated. Truly, I did not link that to ovarian cancer because I didn't know about ovarian cancer. I just happened to tell her some of the things I had been feeling. So she fortunately said, we're going to schedule a vaginal ultrasound. So we took the pap smear and left the appointment. They scheduled the vaginal ultrasound. I went back in for that relatively soon. It was less than a week. And it was during that ultrasound that they determined they could see a mass that was on both ovaries. Mm. At this point, your 40s. I was I was in my 40s. I was kind of a little bit of a later mother. I had Marissa when I was 40. But literally at this point, I'm still thinking, what the heck? What is this mass? I mean, maybe I was being ignorant. I'd like to say I was just uninformed about ovarian cancer. I just didn't think about cancer. So when they identified that they saw something, the next thing that was said to me is we're gonna we're gonna have you go in another room and we're gonna have you meet with your OBGYN. And so we did that. One of the first things she said when she walked in was, Marcy, there's a blood test that we're going to take called a CA-125, and we need to draw your blood to have that done. And I immediately remembered there was a woman that had been the editor of Harper's Bazaar forever. She was from England, and she died of ovarian cancer. And I remembered reading her story and reading about that CA-125 test. So I immediately said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a cancer test. And mm. the OBGYN said, it is, 
But she said, I really don't think that's what we're going to find. She said, there's many other things it could be. And again, it's the cysts, the fibroids, different things like that. But she said, we do have to do the test because if your number is over a certain level, we will switch gears and have you. Well, she had already told me that I was going to need a hysterectomy and it would have to be through your abdomen. It wasn't going to be um, laparoscopic or anything. And I was okay with that because I'd already started being in menopause, kind of pre-menopause, I guess you would say. But the cancer test really kind of threw me off. She said, if your number is higher than 30, zero to 30, we will switch gears and have what's called a gynecologic oncologist do your hysterectomy, just in case we find cancer. But she said, again, I really don't think we're going to find cancer. And so at this point, I'm starting to get scared, obviously. And my husband's in all these appointments with me. So he, you know, we're, we're, we're scared, we're concerned, but I'm still thinking, nah, there's no way. I mean, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm active, yeah. I exercise, I eat my Kashi cereal. I mean, I'm doing everything right. There's no way. So the blood test came back elevated. Okay. Not horribly elevated, but over that marker of 30. So I meet with the gynecologic oncologist that's now going to do my hysterectomy within the next so many days. I mean, they don't wait. They didn't wait. Thank God. I can talk to that later too. And I asked him, I said, I don't know if this is allowed, but what are the chances I have ovarian cancer? I mean, I just don't seem to fit the bill for that. You know, he said, I don't think we're going to find that Marcy. Wow. And it was the first day of spring. I remember that date because the first day of spring, you think of renewal and everything's growing and blooming and we have all that to look forward to. First day of spring, 2008, came out of recovery and was told by him and my husband, Marcy, we found ovarian cancer. It's stage three. We think we got all of it. You're at a good prognosis from the standpoint that we think we found all the cancer. However, you will be going through chemotherapy in case there were any microscopic cells that were left behind. And the next two things I said was, I have a four-year-old daughter and ovarian cancer is the silent killer. Mm. And then we, you know, cried and prayed and I got through the chemotherapy, which was rigorous. I mean, it was an aggressive surgery. It's a tough chemotherapy. But I am truly one of the lucky women, Pam, because here I am 14 years later, the ovarian cancer has not returned in my case, and I sure as heck don't want it to ever return. Well, and you got on it very quickly, it sounds like. I have since read that a lot of women spend precious time going from doctor to doctor to try and figure out what's causing the symptoms before they even consider ovarian cancer and test for it. So you had time on your side, but I've also read that not only does ovarian cancer move very quickly and it's hard to tell if you have it, but it's a recurring cancer. You're absolutely right. I have talked to numerous women you know, here in Nashville, I have kind of become known as the ovarian cancer woman, which that's great. I want people to talk to me. And it's sad. I have talked to numerous women that they did get themselves in to see a doctor. I mean, the first problem is, which I experienced was you feel all these different signs, which truly are signs and symptoms of the disease, but you explain them away. So there's the first problem. Okay. These are women that decided to go in and talk to somebody 
I've heard women tell me they've been told that they had IBS. That's a big one, irritable bowel syndrome. I've been told by women that doctors have said, ah, you need to eat more fiber. I've had women say that there've been doctors that suggested it was maybe between their ears, like anxiety and that kind of thing. There's women that end up at a GI doctor many times. It is astonishing to me that in 2022, this disease takes that long to get to the right kind of doctor to be determined. I mean, truly. And you're right when you said precious time, because it is precious time. The survival rates between stage one and two are vastly better than the survival rates, five-year survival rates between stages three and four, vastly better. The treatment is much more able to get through. And again, Pam, not getting the proper diagnosis in a timely manner can make a huge difference in the diagnosis. The difference between being diagnosed in stages one or two of ovarian cancer versus three or four, it's huge. The five-year survival rate is much less in the later stages. The treatment's harder in the later stages. And then the other thing that you brought up that's so important for women to know is, unfortunately, this isn't a disease that it's a one and done necessarily. Again, when I remark that I'm one of the lucky ones, my cancer has not returned. Now, I'm 14 years and you can't, I mean, no one has a crystal ball, but it has not returned in 14 years. Many times, even after a woman has gone through this treatment I'm talking about and the aggressive surgery, ovarian cancer has a tendency to come back if you've been diagnosed in stages three and four. And when it comes back, it's even harder to treat. Not to get into the medical side of things too much, but there is something even called platinum resistant. And there's some situation where the type of chemotherapy drug that you used the first time you were in treatment won't even work the second time you're in treatment. Now, I will say too, and again, I don't like to speak too much of this because I'm not you know, in the medical profession, but there have been advances made in treatment. They are coming out with new drugs that are obviously for ovarian cancer, and there's promising things happening that are having women live longer than that five-year survival rate. But at the same time, another thing I'd like to say about this disease is it's so underfunded as a woman's disease for research. I understand that in comparison to, say, breast cancer, way fewer women are diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I mean, way fewer. I think in 2022, the latest statistics I read from the American Cancer Society is that there'd be about 22,000 women diagnosed with ovarian cancer. However, about 15,000 women will die of ovarian cancer. So you can see that if you are one of those 22,000, or if someone you love very much, your mom, your sister, your wife, your daughter, if they're one of those 22,000 women, you would like to see better statistics for their disease. Absolutely. When I was trying to find someone to interview who knew a lot about ovarian cancer, I started Googling and went down the rabbit hole. Marcy had mentioned that she's kind of an ovarian cancer guru here in Nashville. And I found her through a website called Cheek Awareness. Marcy has started the organization, and I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit about that. Absolutely. I will talk about Cheek Awareness all day long. The first thing I'd like to say is just to spell it. So it's Cheek, C-H-I-C, and then we spell awareness, A-W-E-A-R-N-E-S-S. 
that was very deliberate. When I moved here to Nashville back in 2012 or so, I've always been an open book about my disease. I feel like I want women to know about ovarian cancer. There's nothing shameful in having a cancer diagnosis. I jokingly say that when I moved here, I think I was one of the first women that ever said the word ovaries out loud and in public. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we have them. And so things can happen to them. And I really just got a group of girlfriends together and said, hey, let's put an organization together and let's do something fun, like have a little party and let's make fashion a part of it because I like fashion. So that's where the awareness came in. And let's try and let women know in Nashville, Tennessee, what the signs and symptoms of this disease are. It's been very grassroots. It continues to be grassroots. Although I can boast of success in that we have raised to date over $600,000. And that is not, you know, I don't want to compare. That is not so Susan G. Komen type organization. This is a grassroots group of women. And we have raised over $600,000 towards research for ovarian cancer, support for patients that are given the diagnosis of ovarian cancer, awareness of ovarian cancer. And I'm also happy to say that we've been working with the Vanderbilt Ingram Cancer Center directly for the last two years, although the support has been going to them for a number of years. So yeah, it's kind of a labor of love for me for obvious reasons. And I will say that the town has been very accepting of learning more about this disease and supporting us. Well, that's amazing. And Nashville is very lucky to have you. Thank you. I'll also say that when, after I talked with Marcy, I have stepped up my own health care. Having gone through menopause, I've kind of put my OBGYN yearly appointments aside a few years. I would go every other year or every two years, thinking that I really didn't ha- need to have those checkups anymore. And I am back on the yearly checkup bandwagon again, thanks to Marcy. I think a lot of women believe, like me, that if they're past the baby-making age, they don't need to see an OBGYN for a checkup. If they've had a hysterectomy, they don't need to see an OBGYN. And I've learned that that is not correct because some hysterectomies are partial and don't remove the ovaries. What should women do to make sure that they're screened for ovarian cancer? Well, that's that's an interesting question. First of all, there is no screening, which we kind of talked about. However, What I have been told is that, first of all, there is a big myth around the pap smear in that so many women think a pap smear detects ovarian cancer or just cancer in general. So the truth of the matter is it's cervical cancer and it's a very effective test, but it does not detect ovarian cancer. My pap smear came back, as I like to say, stone cold normal. All right. And I had stage three ovarian cancer does not test for that. As far as seeing your OBGYN for your exams, I think it is a conversation you have with them. But it's been my understanding that, yes, if you've not had both of your ovaries removed, there's always the risk of ovarian cancer. Now, I will say, too, that those signs and symptoms that we've discussed, I've always been told that if they were to persist between 10 and 14 days, that's when you have every right to say, I'm going to call my OBGYN and I'm going to get in sample him or her. And the OBGYNs, the gynecologic oncologist surgeons that help chic awareness, they agree with this. I mean, this is what they tell me. 
So this isn't just us women saying, oh, no, this is what you need to do. They agree with this. The signs and symptoms of the disease are subtle. They whisper. They're not prevalent for every woman given the diagnosis, but they are for many. So if you're experiencing them, yes, you want to go see your doctor. And if your doctor passes it off as probably okay, should you feel free to push for a scan? I think if you really are feeling those symptoms, again, and this is just me talking, but if you're really concerned that the symptoms have been persistent in that 10 to 14 day, you would have every right to say, I would like to have an ultrasound at scan. I'm not sure how it's going to look with insurance and those kind of things, but hopefully they would be in agreement to that. You know, one of the things they might ask Pam is if there's any kind of a hereditary component to this. There is a gene out there, the BRCA gene, that if that is in your family, there is a higher risk of ovarian and breast cancer. So if they know that, I think it'd be very easy to get them to do the additional screenings. However, I wasn't BRCA positive. So I wouldn't have been a woman that had that kind of heredity situation. So if that makes sense, and I think you would probably agree with this too. I feel like the medical community is starting to be very accepting of women taking ownership on how their body feels. And being advocates for our health. Exactly. Exactly. I think there was a day and time where it was like, well, who are you to tell me you're having bloatedness and and you think it's this? I think that's changed greatly. But we go back to the, the age old problem of women are busy. We're caregivers for everybody. The last person we ever think about is ourselves. And you have to kind of throw all that out and say, no, I'm not feeling right. I'm not feeling right. I'm feeling some of these things. I want to have it looked at. Let's send the listeners off today with a list of symptoms. It doesn't mean okay. you have ovarian cancer if you have these <laughs> symptoms, but these are the symptoms to watch for. Right. And that was a great preface because I know I've told women these symptoms and I've seen their face drain of color and they're like, oh my God. I'm like, no, 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 no. Our organization came up with something we thought was cute. It's called the Chic Beat, B-E-A-T. I think you call that a mnemonic. I was looking at new words. I think that's a mnemonic. So B stands for bloating. E stands for eating and feeling full quickly. A stands for abdominal discomfort. And T is trouble with your bladder, which in my case meant frequent urinating. That's kind of a nutshell on the four biggies. I did have some lower back pain. I don't necessarily see that I was tired. I did have some weight loss, unexplained weight loss, so to speak. But if you kind of remember that chic beat, and again, 10 to 14 days, that's what you need to watch out for. Marcy, thank you so very much. I hope that women who aren't familiar with ovarian cancer have learned from this and will make sure to make an appointment with their OBGYN. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Pam. I I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about this disease. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much to Marcy for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.